All right. We're doing episode five. Uh, you should love the uh, play on name that I did on purpose. Auto, get it? Um, this is kind of a, a follow-up Q&A uh, companion to my podcast earlier today, talking about our uh, beloved medias and journalists' behavior the previous week or so as regards to the Freedom Convoy or the Trucker Convoy, whatever you want to call it, uh, up in Ottawa, especially in how it relates to uh, journalists using hacked information to contact or intimidate people who had donated money via ghost, ghost, uh, give, send, go, or whatever it's called. Um, they use this hacked information to begin calling people or contacting people via email. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem, per se, with journalists doing things like that. I think that's journalism. Uh, I do have a problem with it when uh, I don't trust them. And when it looks to me like their intentions in doing so are to intimidate, which is what this looks like in several of these cases. As I noted, people in media, journalists especially, need to be held to their own standards, to the standards that they create. And I've, I've talked about this a lot. I've talked about this with uh, conservatives on the right. I've talked about it with people on the left that you you are creating the game and the rules and the field of play and demanding we all play by them. Well, you're going to be held to that same standard. And what we saw was the standard was created was that hacked material is not allowed. We saw this via Twitter with Hunter Biden's laptop story, the New York Post. We remember Jake Tapper tell, telling the New York Post on Twitter that all they had to do was delete the accurate tweet and everything would be fine. And so now we're seeing this kind of behavior with journalists contacting private donors whose information came via a hack um, by a kind of weird dude, but whatever. And so we're learning that the rules only apply when they want them to. And as we know that these rules only go one way. So I was pretty fired up about this today. <clears throat> so hopefully you got a chance to listen to that. Cause I normally, normally for my suburbs, I take comments, questions, whatever. And I've, I've didn't do that today. I've forgotten that today. Uh, to kind of bring that over here. So if you listen to the podcast and you have comments, questions, feel free to jump in. Um, I'm not going to really monologue here. Um, I think you all pretty much know how I feel about it. I know that there was this Washington Post op-ed uh, talking about <laughs> this, the settlers, the, the colonial settlers of Canada. And this is rooted in now white supremacy and, and all of this stuff. And it's exhausting. The one thing I'll note before I'll start just uh, letting everyone else kind of jump in here is I think it's incredible to say when you have someone like me who's just kind of a, a bomb thrower against these people constantly perfectly aligned with someone like Ian Omar. I think that's when journalists should know that how bad they fucked up here. Uh, reading her tweet. This was based on a story from uh, an Ottawa citizen reporter named Allison Ma who contacted a baker who donated $250 and was contacted and then said she later regretted her decision to donate. Uh, they effectively doxed her. Ian Omar tweeted, I failed to see why any journalist felt the need to report on a shop owner making such an insignificant donation rather than to get them harassed. It's unconscionable and journalists need to do better. <laughs> I'm as shocked as anyone else. So, 
uh, that's kind of where we're at. Um, I, I want to stay on this topic. I want to stay on the topic of the truckers. I want to stay on the topic of Canada Trudeau, the failed dictator Trudeau, of uh, the warlord of Canadistan, the deposed dictator. So uh, that'll be the topic for today. Uh, I'm going to try to go for about an hour, probably a little bit over. Um, so if you can, I'll take as many people as I can in that time frame. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I, I had a root canal surgery uh, two days ago, and I'm still a little bit recovering from that. So <clears throat> this won't be like a two and a half hour marathon tonight, but um, who knows? I may do something uh, this weekend if there's time or if events permit. Um, I'm going to jump in. And like I said, uh, if you have a comment question, kind of try to keep it short. Just keep in mind that there's other people. Um, and we're just going to do this. I just, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. I want to hear um, what, you, what you think about all of this. Um, it, maybe you've donated uh, in the past. And obviously my credo of don't ever talk to journalists pretty much applies across the board in a situation like this. David, you're up. Just, uh, David, just hit your mute button. Uh, David, uh, just jump back in the queue. If I see, I'll move you up. Uh, Greg, what's on your mind considering the Kanadistan government? Are we doing two people in a row here? Oh, there he is. Greg, how are you? Uh, Greg, make sure your speaker's on. You're just talking into a phone, just like a normal telephone conversation that's being broadcasted for everyone to see. Or here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, Greg, just jump back in the queue when you can. Should we go three in a row, or does, does Zach have his stuff together? Can you hear me? I got you, Zach. How are you? Uh, I, I'm good. It's um, a sad indication when the cancer patient on morphine is the first one to figure it out. Or, you know, we, <laughs> could be, you know, we don't know those other conditions. They could be on more morphine or have more cancer. How you uh, I, I'm good. I actually missed the last one. I was at MD Anderson waiting on a scan, and so I couldn't really jump on. But everything was was stable, so I'm not dying any quicker than I was last time. We or or any of us rather, we're pretty much all dying at the same rate. True. I mean, I am going a little faster because of it's actually not the cancer that kills the patient it's the treatment and that is absolutely what has caused most of my problems but um 
getting to uh, Aladdin north of the border, I like this whole thing is so easy. They they're relaxing mandates everywhere else, but Justin is so offended that these truckers didn't just bow to him that he's refusing to just give in. And he's gone, you know, more and more authoritarian as it's gone on to the point that he even accused a Jewish member of parliament of standing with people that uh, have swastika flags. Yeah, he said he, he accused a Jewish member, a female Jewish member, I believe she's also a lesbian, um, of, yeah, standing with white supremacists and standing with those waving swastikas were, were I believe, his exact words. That was a fun, that, that was a fun uh, day of Canadian Parliament, which is sort of like UK Parliament. They have the magistrate, they go back and forth. Um, I would love to see that happen here and just to either see Trump or Biden, you know, stand up to like that. Um, oh, oh, um, no, I was gonna, I was gonna agree with you. I do think our president should every once in a while just have to go before Congress, just both houses and just have things thrown at them and, and have them come back, you know, under, under live scrutiny. I think Trump would be better than Biden because well, I mean, I think Trump don't agree with him, but usually he was pretty quick on the comebacks. Biden would wander off or try to like eat a stick of butter or something. Something you said, something you said about Trudeau. I think I, I alluded to either on Twitter or somewhere in something that I wrote. Is he feels like someone who was constantly trying to garner the attention and the approval of kind of the liberal globalist smart set. And I don't, I don't like to traffic in populist talk. I don't like to, you know, use terms, globalist elites, things like that. But in this case, that's kind of what it always feels like. You, you said, you alluded to it when you start, when you, your first comment was said, all he kind of had to do was maybe talk to these people, try to negotiate with them, um, come to a compromise and say, hey, you know, maybe we'll look at lifting mandates, something like that. And he didn't. He kept doubling down and doubling down and doubling down and doubling down and doubling down to the point. I mean, what, what's funny is throughout this three weeks, whether, you, whether or not you agree with blocking parliament or you, you agree with the trucks blocking the lanes, all of the escalation that happened over the past three weeks happened on Trudeau's part. And it happened on the part of our media. From everything that I've seen, from live streams to videos that I've watched to everything. And as I mentioned on the podcast today, uh, I'm, I'm skeptical of all media. So when I see video clips, whether it's out of Ottawa or it's out of Iran or if it's out of, you know, Hamas or Hezbollah or, you know, carrying bodies at the West Bank and staging like they just got shot or whatever, I'm skeptical of everything. Everyone is trying to push a message. And I encourage that for everyone, just for a healthy media diet, you know. Um, our society exists in 10 second TikToks now, but Trudeau really, again, out of the two sides here, there was only one side that really kept escalating things. And that was Trudeau. And that to the point came to a head today when we saw Ottawa police just like kicking and beating unarmed protesters. 
And I noted that the reason why you see so much of our media silent on this, and especially the activist left, is they look at it and say, so all of MAGA world and all of the conservatives and everyone on the right is upset at this and they see this. Well, that's how we fell with Black Lives Matter. How do you like it, Whitey? That's, that's the consensus. They won't say it, but that's what they think. That's why they're just sitting back and letting this happen and go, see, you guys were against Black Lives Matter. Well, no, we weren't against Black Lives Matter. We're against $100, billion, $100 million in insurance damages to small businesses. That's what we're against. We're also against the fact that we were all kind of told to um, – stay in our houses. Everything was under lockdown. So um, because everything's locked down and then we had the George Floyd killing, all of a sudden they decided we don't have to stay locked down anymore. We're going to go out in the streets and we're going to protest. And I said on the podcast today, just imagine if Trump walked out and said, get out of the streets, stop protesting or, or else. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Our media is going to encourage more protests and more protests are going to happen and they probably get a little bit more uh, violent and there'll be more property damage. And then let's say Trump came out and said, okay, well, that's it. I'm going to now freeze bank accounts of all the activist founders of Black Lives Matter. You would, I mean, the outcry would still be happening. CNN would still be talking about it if that happened last year, last July. The next talk, he's going to suspend elections and all, and that's where it would have gone. And everybody knows it. Um, but um Sorry, Zach. Uh, if you want to say, just get back in line. I'm just, I'm going to try to get through some people. Uh, thanks. Uh, but Zach's point there is Trudeau to me really does feel like a kid who's trying to just seek daddy's approval all the time. He's trying to impress everyone with his big brain and, and his wonderful hair locks. And that's what this is. This is him not backing down because it, he's afraid of looking weak to the Harvard teacher's lounge. I really think it's that simple. Hello, Stephen, can you hear me? All right. I figured it out this time. So what, what Trudeau is doing, um, I think has a lot to do with who is in office now. Trump would not have allowed, well, um, not that he would have interfered with what's going on in Canada, but there would have been so much more rebuke coming from the White House. And there's absolutely nothing coming from the White House. In fact, Biden is too busy goading Putin to take over Ukraine. So um, there's absolutely nothing coming out of the White House about this. And of course, we have the media. And I'm sorry, I didn't get to listen to your podcast uh, before you lit this up. So I'm kind of behind the I'm behind on that. But, um, you know, I have been watching what you tweet out with the uh, journalists, so-called journalists, they're more activists than journalists, um, have been saying in this white supremacy nonsense, I'm really wondering how much longer they think that they're going to be able to get away with that sort of rhetoric. Um, I I just can't see anybody with a, a modicum of logic buying that nonsense. Well, the it's, people will—the people that will buy their nonsense. I mean, they're—they're they're playing to an audience. They're catering to the the anti-racist audience because that's what they think. You know, it, that's where they think the mood of the country is. And we're just going to keep to because because you have to understand when the George Floyd thing happened, that kind of brought all of this stuff into the into the forefront. And they said, well, you know, George, he might not. There might not have been race 
directly involved in this case, which they couldn't find a racial motive. They couldn't find any motive that Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd because he was black. So what they said is, well, the country is racist. It's, it's, it's systemic racism. It's George Floyd. It's the system that's racist that killed George Floyd. And that's what we're going to deal with. And that's kind of what they're involved in. That's where all the critical race theory shit comes from. It's where all of the, you know, how to be an anti-racist baby stuff comes from. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, the Washington Post ran a piece today titled, The Ottawa Trucker Convoy is Rooted in Canada's Settler Colonial History. <laughs> Yeah, what nonsense. Oh, my God. And uh, there's a passage There's a passage in this, and I'll read this real fast, and then, uh, Donna, I'll let you. It says, the primarily white supporters of the Freedom Convoy argue that pandemic mandates infringe upon their constitutional rights to freedom. The notion of freedom, in quotes, was historically and remains intertwined with whiteness, as historian Tyler Stovall has argued. The belief that one's entitlement to freedom is a key component of white supremacy. This explains why the Freedom Convoy members see themselves as entitled to freedom, no matter the public health consequences to those around them. And uh, this was written by uh, an author who has since deleted her Twitter and her LinkedIn, uh, an author named Tyler Dysart, who is a Ph.D. candidate in the Department of History and Sociology of Science at the University of Pennsylvania, where her research examines the intertwined worlds of healing, science, indignity, and settler colonialism in the Amazon. I'm willing to bet where she wants us to pay her student loans. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so funny. I did read her profile. It was That blew my mind. Um, it, it's remarkable that somebody like that can be employed and, t and be taken seriously. It, it's, you know, Taylor Lorenz-esque. Uh, it's, it's really, um, it's nauseating is what it is. And I don't see it really taking hold. However, you know, you still have cops, like you said, beating up that man. I, I watched the video. Um, of course, Canada is different. I kind of hate to get into their politics because they're Canada. You know, another country can do whatever they like. Um, and we can sanction them or, you know, we can try to hurt them economically or whatever if we don't like what they're doing. But really, to get involved in their politics is none of our business. When it comes to here, however, uh, comparing it to uh, what took place after George Floyd and it was a horrible thing and what happened in Kenosha uh, just those were not protests we have the United States Constitution that says you are you can protest all you your little heart desires that those were riots and that should have been shut down and the you know National Guard should have been right in there to stop it and protected those people's property um and those you know god bless them in canada they're not burning shit down pardon my french <laughs> um but again it's none of our business really what they're doing what we're doing here is what we should pay attention to uh our mask mandates and these you know jab mandates are just ridiculous the the hypocrisy I don't know if you happen to see that picture of Kamala Harris today holding the hands of the two little children with masks on while she didn't yeah. have one on her face. Um, that's what should be addressed is what's going on in this country. The riots. That shit should have been shut down. You know, we, we need a president in there who is not going to take that garbage. 
regardless of what the rhetoric is against him. Everybody's so afraid to be called a name. You know, how many times did they call Trump? And I know you're not, we're not a Trump supporter, but how many times can you call the guy Hitler before it like means nothing? The man was not Hitler. He, you know, uh, if we get DeSantis in there, great, but they'll do the same thing to him. They'll try to destroy him. They'll go after his family. They'll, they'll, they are relentless uh, when it comes to, like I said, the name calling. The uh, honestly, I, I do see what they're doing to Trump as a witch hunt. This New York garbage that they're going to haul his kids in to testify, and you know he has to keep going to court to stop things. I mean, <laughs> they're they're just so afraid that he's going to run again that they have to destroy him, and then they'll do it to anybody else, any other Republican or even an independent or a Tea Party, whatever, that is not a Democrat. They will try to destroy, and they'll let people go. Oh, and I had to bring this up, too. I'm, I know I'm talking yeah, 100 just, miles an hour. Just, yeah, be, just, a lot. Be, just be quick. There's I got a ton of people, but keep... One other thing I wanted to bring up was um, this bail shit that went down with the guy who shot at the mayor. Right. Uh, a guy named Quintez Brown... Uh, who's a big gun control advocate. He, he's written for the Courier Journal in Kentucky. Uh, he's a Black Lives Matter activist. He's, he's had some pretty anti-Semitic stuff for the black Israelites on his social media, which has gone, uh, walked into a mayoral candidate's headquarters and just fired a gun, fired right at him, and it missed him. Um, he was arrested. Black Lives Matter, which crowdsources their funds, uh, bailed him out on 100000 yeah, I don't know what her, her name is. Jackie. She happened to ask Saki. Um, Jackie Heinrich of Fox. Ah, uh, thank you. I wasn't sure who it was because Saki just said, you know, I can't, I can't speak on that or whatever. And then she said her name, Jackie. Um, not that I think that Saki should be commenting on that. However, <clears throat> we do have a vice president in office who contributed to these bail funds, so. Um, you know, they, they will let things like that go, and then they wonder why we have a crime problem in this country. They're placating uh, a race of people, and all it's doing is creating more problems. They're, di- they're dividing us is what they're doing, and I don't know. It's insidious, and I don't know who's doing it or why yeah. they're doing it, unless Democrats just think that they can – that is their strategy is to just keep us divided and, and kind of like – off our footing, so yeah. Oh, I don't thank, know. Thank, anyway, no, thank, thank, thank you, Donna. Stephen. I'm gonna, I, yep, I'm gonna move on. Thanks, Donna. Um, I did. I did note again the hypocrisy. I, I I don't draw parallels to the Black Lives Matters riots to the January 6th Capitol. I think those are two completely separate issues. I know a lot of people on the right do. I do compare the reactions from the protests over the summer to what's happening in Canada now and, and also Occupy. If, you, if I mean, 10 years ago it was Occupy Wall Street. That was treated as fucking Le Miserable in the shadow of the World Trade Center. And I've talked about my experience. I, well, I went down to Occupy and I looked at it. And I can tell you it was nothing like what was being reported. And I, I've talked about that in the past. Um, and you see, again, a guy who literally tries to assassinate a mayoral candidate and that story is not out there. And you should ask yourself why that's not out there. And again, you have BLM crowdfunding these funds and crowdsourcing these funds. 
And again, no donor lists were hacked and we can all imagine. And I don't like to always play the what about game, but this is a, this is a specific circumstance where you can play that game and you can say, what do you think would happen if gateway pundit or if Breitbart or if real daily wire or daily caller or anyone you can think of got a hold of BLM's donor list and how that would be treated on social media. Twitter would ban every single. Uh, okay, can, may, um, are you, uh, may I go with next? Am I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? Um, may, um, I'm just want to make sure that your thought was done so I didn't cut no, you off. No, you're good. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, see, here's the thing. When it comes to Kanadistan, I'm still not actually sure I agree with comparing it to the B- American BLM riots because, well, for one thing, their sets of laws are so obviously inferior to ours. They're so, they so don't truly respect freedom like here in their, their failed terrorist state to the north. What I do compare it to is two other events that have been happening in Canada itself over the past year. One was, have you, do you remember those churches being burnt down? Like over yeah. 50 Catholic churches in Canada were burned down. And it was, and the most Trump, Trudeau was saying was, I don't believe you're doing what is right, but, he, but, I, but I understand your pain. Uh, his whatever. And then there was also, in the past few days, police officers were actually attacked and hurt by a bunch of eco-terrorists who bur- actually did try to burn down, and I think did succeed in burning down a few pieces of, of uh, oil and gas refinery equipment. So in reality, I'm much more angry because they, even under their own failed s- state system, they are, they are acting like hypocrites and jackasses. Um, yeah, I knew, I knew about the churches and stuff like, and, uh, the, the refinery one, somebody sent me, I hadn't heard about that and I hadn't, I hadn't looked at the link yet. Um, and that was done by echo fascists and things like that. Um, uh, what I'm comparing to as far as black lives matter protests is I'm comparing the media reaction, especially as it pertains to the Washington post. And I know, uh, I think it was Donna just said that. You know, it's it's their country. We don't have any business up there. Well, here's the problem is you have donors from the United States making donations to this convoy or to these people up there. And Canada is now seizing those assets. And you had the Canadian finance minister, I think he was on MSNBC, say, if you're part of a pro-Trump movement, you're going to have a problem. And as I said on my podcast, that that kind of flew right under the radar of sound bites, which I thought was pretty incredible. He didn't say the convoy. He said a pro-Trump movement. Now, you can agree or disagree with Donald Trump or whatever, but to say that we're going to freeze the assets of a pro-political movement in the United States, uh, th- that's where I get my bomb them and invade them uh, itch be- behind my eyeball. Because I'm sitting well, here I'm saying not, Can- Canada, has no, Canada has no authorization to freeze assets. We need to get Connor David and a real team. We need to we need to. We need. I'm fine with bombing and invading Canada. We need to take Connor McDavid and give him to a real hockey team. But uh, <laughs> no, he's a, Connor McDavid will be like our our uh, John Walker Lind. He, he's not going to a yeah. hockey team. He will be kept. He will. He, Connor McDavid will be sent to Gitmo. Well, what about okay? Then I guess who gets Leon Drysidle? Then he's German born. Gitmo. Ah oh, man, they're they're all well, traitors. Gitmo. Bit more, man. Just a little bit more for the Austin, Hurricanes. Austin Matthews, Gitmo. I don't care if he's an American. That's Austin Matthews is actually the, the John Walker Lind of of this whole thing. 
So uh, he, he'll Austin Matthews will be prosecuted. I'm not I'm not for execution at this point. We I, we can talk about it, but um, Austin Matthews would. Okay. Well, uh, I'll uh, again. I I completely agree with your thing about you know there's there them going after Americans' bank accounts is really bad. Yeah, I don't know if they it's have. Just... I don't know what they have, but you have the Canadian finance minister saying that if you're part of a pro-Trump movement, well, what are you going to do to America? Like, if an American, let's say I donate $50, and I, then now the first thing I'll do is I'll have a Washington Post reporter up my ass. And, and as I said uh, many, many times, the credo of my podcast is don't ever, ever talk to journalists. If you get, if you get an email like that, and this is the thing, most, most people are stupid when it comes to media. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to them. Don't. Don't even respond to it. Or if you respond to it, just pull a Tim Dillon and just be like, I'm sorry, the person you're trying to contact is dead. Don't respond. Don't do anything. Don't, don't, and most people don't know this. Um, but let's say I donate $50 to Give, Send, Go or, or whomever I choose, please, to make sure that money gets there. And can't, what is, is Canada going to recommend to Joe, to the Joe Biden administration is to freeze my bank account or am I subsidizing a terrorist account? We're seeing what Joe Biden's DOJ is doing to parents at teachers meetings. So that's kind of where I'm at with this and we haven't seen it, but when I start seeing Canada get all uppity and saying, we're going to, we're going to start banning bank accounts of pro-Trump movements, I, I, I get, I jump immediately to bomb and invade them. Good, Stephen. How you doing? Hey, um, just to finish that thought, you're, what you're seeing is an extension of domestic terrorism. People labeled that were Trump followers and whatever it might be. Now it's cross-border international terrorists. So these people that are tied to Trump in January 6th or however they want to extend it, now they're going to be treated potentially if they're donating money or they're crossing borders to participate in these protests as uh, international terrorists. That wasn't my point. My, my point, my observation, which is more concerning than anything, I don't give a fuck about Canada, is when the media does not check government and does not check decisions and policies, that just in, basically emboldens government to say, hey, we're not going to get called out. We're not going to be put under the microscope by the media. And if there's no check on government, they can just get away with more and more. And just it's the slow creep over time. And Biden's not saying anything and the media is really not saying anything here. And if they do, it's more in favor or more in favor of the Canadian government. And what's Biden doing sitting back? And not just Biden, the people that are actually writing policy and saying, hmm, we want to debank Americans. Well, no one's really sure what's going on in Canada. And since the media is not going to put a check on Canada, what they're doing, then maybe we can do this. And they're taking notes. And that's the troubling thing is. You no know, check by media allows government to grow and do these more insidious things, which is the frightening thing in this. Uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with the quote unquote taking notes. I, I would I would agree with that. Um, we saw the reaction when the Hunter Biden laptop story. And I said at the time that this is a line that they've crossed that they can't go back from. Like, this is something that we saw that was an escalation. It was it. There, there's things about media bias and there's media bias on the left and there's media bias on the right. Generally bias to me is who has the, the most power to, to inflict their bias. And we saw that we saw an accurate story dropped. We saw Facebook and Twitter who were basically run by former Democrat campaign ops, Andy Stone, 
uh, I believe is former Kamala Harris or no, uh, Nick Petillo, I think was former Kamala Harris. Andy Stone was someone else and they blocked the story and they said, we're not going to let the story spread until we verify it ourselves, which as I noted on my podcast today, they never did. They just let it go and people forgot. And so I've maintained that I think journalists contacted Facebook and Twitter, people like in the realm of Oliver Darcy or Brian Felter or uh, Washington Post reporters and said, you need to stop this story from spreading. This is this is Russia disinformation. It's face. This is another rat fuck operation by Giuliani. And we can't allow this to proceed. And that was another escalation. Just, you know, Dan Rather's uh, Texas Air National Guard was an escalation. Um burying connections of Barack Obama, Tony Rezco, Jeremiah Wright, that was an escalation. That's that's all this was. And so now you're getting to the point where you have journalists contacting average people who are donating as little as $40 to a cause, and that's about intimidation. Um, and that is a clear escalation to where if you donate, and that's going to happen now with political candidates. You're going to start seeing that. If you donate to... DeSantis's gubernatorial campaign, we're going to find that out and we're going to contact you and we're going to contact your job and we're going to contact, you know, your, your peers and we're going to, and we're going to look at your social media. And that is going, that the, the point of that is to, is to chill anyone from donating to political candidates. And so Matt's right. When you see this stuff and you see this unchecked kind of aggression happening in, in Canada, where most journalists are like, yeah, I'm kind of fine with Trudeau doing this. Yeah, it's his, you know, whatever, because they politically agree with Trudeau. You're talking about an industry that is irreparable and it just needs to be burned to the ground and salted and started over. Jenny. Doing well. The Canadian truckers and their families have set a new standard for civil disobedience. I'm going to call it every civil disobedient action in the future will include puppies and children and cook-offs and slumber parties in downtown city centers and the most fun, upbeat music, dancing, just everything you can imagine. And they have just shown us how to do it. And as sad as I am to watch it all be shut down right now, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. If those truckers decide to go on strike and just stop working, the whole country will shut down. Yeah, I, I said, thanks, Jenny. I, I, I noted, and I've said this before, like, I, I know, like, the, the unions are kind of against this stuff. Um, if, you, if you look at the left, I've talked to some people about this. I've talked to Zed Jelani and some other people who uh, I think are, you know, on the honest left. And I've been like, aren't these like Bernie Sanders people? like truckers like i don't know how it is up in canada i don't know you know if they just fucking write tauntauns everywhere or whatever's going on but i'm kind of like these these aren't you know these don't seem like political you know activists it doesn't these don't seem like the kind of people who like stormed the capital on january 6th and i noted on my podcast you have to remember where this started this didn't start over a stolen election or anything like that this started over just a protest of vaccine mandates like i'm a fucking trucker i'm not around anyone so to say that you know you're going to mandate me i have to have a vaccine card to drive a fucking truck it's absurd and if you read barry weiss's substack you learn that these aren't white supremacists these are a mix of people who are, are vaccinated some aren't some are and they're just against the mandates and I've said a couple of weeks ago, you're going to see in the media and you're seeing it kind of happen in real time. And you're starting to kind of see it now in government, especially with the Surgeon General. And you're starting to, especially how they treated Joe Rogan. 
this is the same playbook. It's misinformation. Well, okay, but you guys also have misinformation. You've been wrong. Oh, well, you're a racist. Wait, what? And that's what the same playbook that they ran against these people. And they don't have the platform that Joe Rogan does. And I think that that's how this got elevated. Um, what she said about, you know, bringing like kids to and dogs and, and dancing and they're throwing, doing snowball fights. And that was really, I think that's a good point. Um, it's hard to paint people like that as, you know, white supremacists and insurrectionists um, when basically the most thing that they're doing is honking their horns and having snowball fights. Um, and I would agree that it, their reaction, that it, and Michael Malice noted, they didn't take the bait. And so their reaction to Trudeau's overreaction makes them look better. And it even makes our media look even worse that they're sitting there defending Trudeau. I'm good. How are you? So with the, I, I noticed that uh, a story was re, uh, circulating on Twitter about uh, from the Toronto Star saying that 66% of Canadians actually agree with the steps that Trudeau has taken as of yesterday or Wednesday up to this point. And so I'm curious if what your take on that is, is it because perhaps people may, it might be the same effect as showing support for Trump where people are concerned about displaying that because there has been threats to freeze bank accounts? Or do you think it's just that uh, Canadians don't know what freedom is and they need to be uh, shown by the U.S. military where they will greet us with, uh, <laughs> as liberators? Um, yeah, we're going to we're going to freedom the fuck out of Canada. Um <laughs> I, don't, I could be. I think it could be a lot of those things. I, I there was a really interesting. Uh, there was a tweet where a guy showed that when Trudeau threatened to freeze accounts, there was a run on the banks in Canada. People just started mm-hmm. pulling their money out, and that's the effect that that has. Whether when you come out and you say we're going to nationalize finances and we're going to freeze bank accounts to anyone we think, anyone who is at this or we think might be supporting the protest. You just had normal people in Canada like, well, that's it. I'm pulling my fucking money out. Like, that's – they're like, you're not going to freeze my accounts. And so you Preppers had – have... Yeah, no, these were just like uh, people – like a guy showed a chart of like the banking activity of websites and stuff. And then there was an article about like people were like, I don't really support this. I don't really know what this is. But I, I – you make that announcement. I, You're not going to have my money. I'm going to put it all over here under a fucking mattress out by the, a shanty at the lake or Bitcoin or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. That's one of those unintended consequences, but I think it could be, it could be a lot of that. When you announce that, you know, anyone who's a supporter of this stuff is, is going to, you're going to suddenly be monitored or whatever. I, that can have an effect. People who don't want to be bothered might just go, yeah, I don't support the truckers, da, 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 you know, whatever. And, and they might, you won't really know until kind of, I would say the next election in Canada. I don't know when that is probably never thanks to the di- dictator Trudeau. Um, he's probably in there for life now. Once a Castro, always a Castro. Um, but yeah, I think it could be. I think it could be a, a mixture of all, of all of those things, or it might not be. C- Canada might enjoy, you know, eighty percent disapproval or approval rating for what for what Trudeau is doing, and I still don't think that that matters. Um, when you see this, and again, we, it's not just Canada. These protests are all over the world. They were in France. They were in Germany. Not just trucker protests, but anti-vaccine mandate protests, lockdown protests. Um, I, I'm quite frankly amazed we haven't seen it here yet. Yeah, I do have, there was one other thing that people keep seem to be pointing out or 
making the comment that like so many international donations coming from the U.S. has been a big uh, harping point from Trudeau and his government. But what's not acknowledged in that is the fact that the cause of the protests is the vaccine mandate specifically on truckers that cross the U.S.-Canadian border. Therefore, it would imply that it would have an impact on the truckers that can ship from the U.S. into Canada, thus having an impact on Americans directly. And so it's it's completely ignoring that so that he can just sort of focus on where Canada and people that aren't Canadians are trying to impose their will on us. I mean, maybe, but I mean, that's you're, you're looking at how international currency is traded. So um, I, I can donate to a cause in France if I like. And that, that's going to be another interesting debate going forward. Um, and that's going to be a debate where we see how, how is someone from the U.S. treated for donating to a cause in Canada? Or it could be in Hungary or it could be anywhere. It could be any it could be any human rights thing. Um, but we've seen what the media will do to those people. They will they're going to they're going to take hacked information. And I noted you know that they're being dishonest about it today on the podcast because a lot of these reporters are calling it leak. They're saying that the information was just leaked and, oh, we just found it. Hey, it just was leaked. But then Aaron Davis, the Washington Post reporter who was contacting these people, he said in a tweet that it was hacked. And I had a series of tweets at him where I said, well, which is it? Because if it's leaked or if it's hacked, you guys created a standard that we're not to report on hacked material. So if it's hacked, you're going to seriously sit there and fucking tell me that someone who donated $40 to a trucker convoy, a trucker blockade in Canada, which was by all accounts peaceful. I didn't see arrests. I didn't see violence. The only the only incidents of violence I could find other than the cops was someone drove their car through uh, and, and hit a few people, which that boy, that story disappeared, didn't it? Um, so you're telling me that that person has to be held accountable in the pages of the Washington fucking post. But the multimillionaire son of the president with shady business dealings in Ukraine, which <laughs> seem kind of important right now, uh, given uh, President Applesauce Brains just gave a statement that I didn't see it, but I, I had it on quiet here on my computer and he just looks half awake. Um, and you're going to tell me that that story is not newsworthy, as NPR said, and you're going to stop it from spreading on social media. Uh, th- this is where, again, this, this industry, if this is who they are, this is where this industry just needs to be burnt to the ground and just, again, salted. Because these are people who are not interested in truth to power. If your idea of truth to power is holding truth or power to somebody who donated $40 but not the fucking son of the president, then uh, you should be nowhere near journalism. You should be nowhere near that position where you can influence people. Yeah. Uh, last thing before I uh, hang up and let someone else go is, it's the old Michael Malice question. Have you ever considered the possibility that you might be the bad guy? Yeah, that's exactly right here. Uh, you, you know, you're not when you had the CNN contributor last week say slash their tires, siphon their gas. <laughs> and I know that on my podcast, that's when like Iowa Hawk blog jumped in and it's still one of the funniest threads I've read this year. And uh, he's like, y- you think you're the good guys here? Like, I get the blockade. I get that that's inconveniencing. But remember, a year ago, the point of protest was to inconvenience people per Marks Bay, Congresswoman Airport designation. That was the point of protest, was to inconvenience people and make people uncomfortable. Is that not the point of protesting anymore? So you had former Obama DHS officials just saying, siphon their gas, slash their tires, and move the trucks. Oh, that's genius thinking. That's, that's great. 
And you say that. That's exactly right. You th- you think you're the good guys. You think that you're the good guy going after someone who had a private email address who donated 40 to 50 bucks anonymously, what they thought was supposed to be anonymously, and you think you're the good guy here. And that's that's the only standard you have to look at. And they'll, they'll say it until, yes, well, I'm just doing journalism. I'm just doing my journalism job. No, you're not. That's not journalism. I see. Um, just uh, reporting from California, like I've, it's funny, like with so pretty like much Canada trucker. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. We'll we'll be we'll be neutron bombs soon soon enough with by DeSantos, I guess. But um, uh, uh, it's, it's it's even like weird, like talking to like people that are like somewhat left to center, but not like die hard, you know, lefties, and they're even like. Um, they're even like perplexed by the media's treatment of the truckers protests because like I've talked to the same liberals that they're supportive of the black lives matter protests and they did not like, you know, the cities being burned down to the ground. Like, and, and so like, they're like not the crazy, like anarcho terrorist lefties. <laughs> like, and it's, it's just sort of interesting to sort of, even see them seeing that, oh yeah, okay, why is the media supportive of this, but not this, or not that, this, that protest, but not this one. And, um, and just like, as a sort of a question, um, like you sort of see, like, I guess like the, I guess my question is, is that there seems to be a, um, like a feedback mechanism, like breakdown in a way where, because like Trudeau just got elected, I like reelected, I think like last year. And, and so like his, I don't think they, I, I forget how soon they have elections in Canada, but like, you sort of seem like there's no, like the media is not providing that feedback um, that is, is needed. And it's just like this sort of, it's just like sort of reinforcing a lot of the left's, um, bad from our perspective bad decisions um like what do you think like maybe the fallout will be you know like as you like to say like their lesson will be learned for them (laughs) and because it just sort of seems that like they're almost like perpetually creating this really bad feedback loop for the sort of the institutional level i I think that's it i think the message will be sent for them um and to them, and they can either self-examine and self-correct, or they can continue to wonder why podcasts and substacks and call-ins and clubhouses and Twitter and all of that stuff um, garners more attention than they do. And I also think that there's a point where they look at it and say, well, we don't really have that big of an audience anyway, so we might as well just keep doing what we're doing and try to affect change whatever that means. And, and we, we can just affect narratives the way that we see them, like what you're seeing with a, a lot of the, the journalism coming out of uh, Canada and a lot, like we saw Michelle Goldberg today at the New York Times, who almost got it. She almost got it. She's talking about how these aren't just white, these aren't white supremacists, these aren't white people. There are Sikhs there, there are natives there, there are Indians there, there are, you know, there are people of color involved in these things. There are immigrants that are involved in this protest. And then she said, but it's being exploited by the far right. And she, just, she almost had it. And then she just veers off at the last second because she knows that if she doesn't include that, then 
she's going to her Twitter mentions are going to be turned into a garbage fire. Don't do not underestimate people who call themselves firefighters who are afraid to just have their Twitter mentions destroyed and have that headache to deal with. I think that has a lot to do with it. And that's why you don't see them, you know, tweet about these things or, or, or whatnot. They have, you know, they're very sensitive to that kind of stuff and they shouldn't be uh, that you don't get to compare yourself to a firefighter and then, you know, complain that you have the headache of your Twitter mentions being blown up because you made a point that the audience you've cultivated might not have liked um, more than more so than um, people might. Yeah, because it's like I, I sort of like see it like like uh, I know I'm sort of making a little tenuous link here, but with the uh, school board elections we had in San Francisco, where like I mean, the bad messages is like all the like you know is, are the bad takeaway. I think a lot of the right may, like hopefully doesn't fall prey to is that all of a sudden like okay these are you know th- these people have been red pilled and they're gonna you know they're part of our coalition now and. Like it's, but I think sort of the lesson is, is that people just want things to work correctly. Like they want their kids to be able to read at grade level. And like, I think people just see that message, like as the sort of the takeaway, you know, I feel like that's um, you know, like in the, in the media just like tells parents that just want their kids to be able to read at grade level that all of a sudden they're, like right wing terrorists, <laughs> like I feel like that's a pretty losing message for the media and 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 the institutional life. Uh, I would hopefully agree with that. I, yeah, I mean the school thing is crazy to me. Like this is what you're seeing with school boards, like in San Francisco, Douglas County, Colorado, uh, Fairfax, Virginia. The blue districts are just voting these people out. Um, it's it's something. I'm not quite ready to declare victory on yet, but it's something I didn't think I'd see maybe in my, in uh, my lifetime, just, just because it's like, holy shit. Like it's, it's still, what happened in San Francisco is just funny. Like I'm still just, I still go to these three people's Twitter feeds and just laugh. Cause they're just still doing it. Uh, they're just like, this was, this was white supremacy. And you just go, yeah, it was white supremacy. Everything is white supremacy. Da, da, da. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine if those people want to, you know, label someone like me that, someone who's in the media, in, in the arena and a bomb thrower and things like that. But yeah, you go after parents and they're going to just go, wait, what? I'm just, I just want my kid to fucking do math. <laughs> like, like, that's all I care about. Like my kid, my kid, I just want to be able to help him with his homework. And then my kid just goes, why am I being called an anti-racist? And you just wait, what? Like, what do you, why is your math problem? Two plus two equals 1619. What the hell is that? Oh, that's just what they gave us. And I think that that's going to be a fallout of this pandemic. I think for the most part, parents, they, they drop their kids off at school and it's like, then they pick them up and it's like, I just want to go home. I want to, I want to pour a glass of wine. I want to make dinner, do your homework. I get it. The school system's probably slanted towards liberal, but I'll help you straighten all that out. I'll give you books, whatever. And what the pandemic showed is you had parents who were stuck at home while their kid is learning from a screen and suddenly they're, you know, the parent hears a teacher in the background, like one of these crazy TikTok teachers, you know, just you start listing, you know, asking your kid what their fucking pronouns are. And I think parents just went, wait, wait, what did you, what, what the hell does my kid's pronouns have to do with, you know, geography? I do think that that there's a good substantial reason why you're seeing this happen. 
And it's still it's still so funny to me where it's like, okay, you guys just lost Virginia on this message that Terry McAuliffe, parents shouldn't be involved in education. And you're losing now you're in San Francisco. And I don't know. Are you going to have to lose 42 fucking states in 2024 to Ron DeSantis? Is that going to get the message through? I, I think that the answer is probably no, that they're still going to say uh, it's white supremacy. <laughs> Chad, you're up. I'm going to keep going uh, for a little bit. There's a few people calling. Good. And a uh, big fan. I don't actually partake in Twitter, but I do check yours on the daily. Uh, in regards to Canada, Really amazed that now the communists have now officially given up on the working class. I think that's the ultimate irony here. But I would like to hear your expertise, you know, about this quasi doxing by reporters. I mean, is it truly malicious intent? I mean, are they looking to go smash lives? Because I don't quite get the mentality because you have to know what the fallout's going to be. Right. Um, is it just a I'm making omelets? So let's crack some eggs. So just want to get your take there. Um, I, I don't think that they care about the fallout from people that they don't like. So someone like me, who I look at, I'm like, this is an actual doxing or whatever. They they can ignore me and they can just say, well, he's he's a right leaning conservative. He's alt right. They can do all of that stuff. I think you have to understand, and I think someone who really gets this is is malice that they have an agenda and they believe that they're righteous and they believe that they're right here. They believe that so when they when they see someone donate money to this cause that they've already labeled as an insurrection or a white supremacist cause where Nazis are, you know, waving flags and whatever, they believe that they're the good guys. And that's that's the whole joke. When you when you say to them, it goes, how do you how do you think that you're the good guys here? So you look at it and you say, how do they how do they not understand how bad this is? How do they not understand how they look? Well, they live in parts of the country where they're surrounded by everyone who thinks like them, and they're in an industry of everyone who thinks like them. And it, I think it really. Okay. And, and I mean, like, objectively, can you just say, okay, I look at Canada, I see nothing on fire. And I live in Atlanta, and May 2020, the end of my street was on fire, right? So, <laughs> you know, I, I see in Canada, I see nothing of that because I also know intuitively if there was something like that, it would be on blast on every network, right? So that was just kind of kind of curious to me if they're like literally ignoring objective reality or is it echo chamber sense? You 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 saw with the Kenosha riots, you saw the MSNBC fire. Uh, it's mostly a protest, but there's some fires. And you also saw the CNN crime, which was, you know, fiery but mostly peaceful. And it's because that they believe in those causes and they need to downplay that. And yes, they, they believe essentially that, hey, you, I, can put, I can put a reporter on the air in front of a building on fire and the reporter's just going to be there to spin what you're supposed to be seeing. And yeah, you and me look at this and we go, how, how are the fuck are they doing this? But they do it and they do it all the time. And then you look at Canada and they're in, sitting in a hot tub or they're playing hockey or they're doing snowball fights and that is labeled a racist, violent, insurrectionist-style movement. And yeah, you and I look at this and go, and, and people sitting here listening and whatever look at this, and we just go, how, how the fuck does this exist in their reality? Well, it does. And I don't know, and, and unless you change it for them, we, we know what CNN's ratings look like, but they don't care because it's an agenda. And again, that's Michael Malice's whole point is – 
this is, this is not bias. It's an agenda. And they see this as that we're pro-vaccine, we're pro-vaccine mandate, and that's the end of it. And anything short of that, we are. Yeah. So postmodernism 101. Got it. <laughs> Appreciate you. Yeah. I'll leave it up. Cheers, Chad. Thanks. Joe's up. How are you, Joe? Hey, Stephen, doing well. Happy Friday. Thanks. Thanks as always. I've, cr- I've cracked um, one. I've so, officially cracked one. Um, oh, so, wonderful. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how my mouth does with it. But um, yeah, cheers to you. Cheers. Cheers. Right back at you. So um, you actually had already kind of gone over what uh, one half of what I was going to say with the Margaret, the Margaret Sullivan piece, um, which was just absolutely perfect. I was going to put that. Um, kind of side by side with the piece that ran in, I think the AP picked it up yesterday about how Democrats in rural areas are facing a near extinction level event. And um, what they featured is here in Pennsylvania, um, our Lieutenant governor, who is also the cave troll from Lord of the Rings fellowship of the ring. If you look at him um, running here and basically saying about how, well, no, we can't leave these people for dead because he is from the Western, more rural part of the state and how, oh, their vote counts just as much as any others. But then you put that side by side with these op-eds in the Washington Post and the New York Times and everybody calling the Canadian truckers just racists and everything. And as you said, with Margaret Sullivan, where it was so close. It was so close to where she got it, where, you know, oh, these are people, you know, they, they may have grievances, but I think you, you mean know. Michelle, Michelle Goldberg from the New York or, times, Mich- Michelle Goldberg. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> right. right. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but just coming so close, but also just, you know, of course we can't, we, we have to just say, but you know, the far right, the racist, they're co-opting the message. So basically if the shoe fits, yeah, and you know what? Maybe they are. Um, they're especially again people in politics. They're, they're going to, they're going to use this for you know. There's there are there is the grifter class. It's both on the left and the right. And they're going to use this and they're going to exploit it, and they're going to push it. But if you notice, the story is always uh, Fox News pounces or. Um, gateway pundit, you know, they'll take the worst example. They'll say gateway pundit pounces. So they must all think alike and they must all agree. And in the meantime, none of them go and actually talk to the truckers. And that's what I found funny about Michelle Goldberg. I, ha- I had a conversation with an editor at a news site, liberal, a progressive news site. And they were pushing that. They were pushing like, you know, like whatever the grapers are promoting the trucker Canada thing, whatever. And so I got them and I said, that's great, but have you actually gone and talked to any of these truckers? Have you, have you gone in there and seen who these people are, talked to them, whatever, figure out who they are? What do, what do they want? And I said, because I look at this and I'm like, you're, you're taking the worst example of the right and you're, and you're using that. And the answer was, well, no, but I'll look at maybe trying to do that. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and then two days later, Barry Weiss at her at her website has this piece come out where a journalist went in who's who's Canadian born. Um, she works in Canada, and she went in. She talked to them. She met these people, and what you find out is not all of them are white. Some of them are vaccinated. Some of them aren't. Some of them are just against mandates. And you go in and you find this out, and that becomes very harmful to the narrative. And as I said, and I, I don't know if somebody asked either last week or on my podcast. 
is this the inverse of Occupy Wall Street? And I said, yes, because when I went to Occupy Wall Street, I walked through there. That was like walking through fucking Barter Town in Mad Max. It was not what was being portrayed. And this was 10 years ago, and I had just maybe gotten on Twitter. So I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, sitting there filming it and being activist, you know, activist Stephen Miller. Um, but that was one of these times where I'm just like, you're being lied to about what this is. And that's exactly right. So you, you have Michelle Goldberg go up there and she goes up there to her credit and she's talking to these people and she's like, yeah, these are just people. They're working class people. They're, they're concerned about freedom. They're concerned about having their liberty to move around, um, you know, to go to a gym without a mask on. And I noticed, and I noted the hypocrisy in Trudeau's message, which is we have the most vaccinations of any country in the Western world. Yay. But we're going to still mandate vaccines in everywhere you go. And it's kind of like, well, that seems like an over harsh overreaction. If you have the highest vaccination rate, which I think is like 83, 84%, that's pretty fucking close to herd immunity. And there's maybe what 46 people in all of Canada, like that entire country, you know, 40 miles into it is just fucking snow. It looks like Hoth. So what are you so worried about? Um, it just, again, Trudeau's overreaction does not match what you see. And, and it really is kind of that simple. And then again, Michelle Goldberg at the end of it's like, oh, but the right is exploiting this. And I'm like, yeah, there's, there's some people exploiting it. Just like there's a lot of reporters who exploit what happens every time there's an outbreak in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. So yeah, that's going to happen. But I'm, I'd love to see the influencing uh, graph and chart of people on the right, like the Jack Posobiecs or whomever, who are exploiting what they're seeing in Canada, as opposed to like AP reporters exploiting what they see happen. Absolutely. Hey, th thanks as always. Hello. Yes. Yep, I got you. All right. <laughs> you got to went silent for a minute. I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, Lord, my mic's my mic crapping out. Nope, you're good. What's on your mind? Um, I'm just asking more personal advice about, like, the sort of writing or doing, like, commentary writing. Like, how do you go about, like, choosing, like, which topics to write about? Because I think that's kind of the more biggest hurdle for me because there's some moments where like I will find a topic that I'm interested in but then like somebody else will cover it or like I wait too long to like do it and then like the news changes so fast and then it sort of like shifts on to like something else so it's kind of hard to like nail down something but I recently started doing my um my sub stack again so I'm just kind of wondering like what's your advice on like you know picking topics and sort of like following through them um, I'm, I'm kind of a, when I write for spectator or other places, it's kind of half and half. They, they, they'll pitch me. So they'll say, Hey, we think you'll be good for this. And then it's like, okay, yeah, let me look into this and see. And then it'll be a back and forth, um, with them and just be like, Hey, here's what I found. Yeah. I think I can, ang I can think I can have an angle on this. And then it's like, great, you know, get it to us and whatever. Um, usually if it's something that I want to write, and this is the only advice I would give is just get it out. So I'm, I'm very much like a lightning in a bottle person. Um, something will just come across. I'll, I'll get an instant idea. I'll, I'll get up my editor and just be like, Hey, can I want to do something on this? A, a good example is Eric Adams. Mm -hmm. Eric Adams has his presser on Saturday. 
where he starts, he said he, he, he had no idea what drill rap was. And so he decided that, uh, I've decided now in this instant that my son had brought to my attention drill rap, that this is the problem with gun violence in New York city. This thing I just found out about five minutes ago is what's (laughs) causing all the fucking gun violence in New York city. And so right there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm on this. So I get in touch with my editors, and I'm just like, I, I want to do something about Eric Adams, kind of the new PMRC. And it's not even that. It's they're jumping straight to censorship now. That's their go-to thing. It's uh, If it's vaccine mandates or vaccine, it's misinformation. Joe Rogan, we need to get rid of him. That's straight from Jen Psaki and the mm-hmm. Surgeon General, who has COVID, by the way. Um, so I, I wish him well. I don't know if anyone saw his Twitter thread today, but it was like, it's like they all got terminal cancer or something. Like it was like a 15 tweet thread. And he's like, I just, I want to be, it was, it was weird. And he did this whole thing where it's like, it's not, you you caught a virus. So you don't have to be ashamed. It's like, yeah, asshole. You're the guys stigmatizing people who caught it. Um, going, getting back on topic. So I kind of, am just like, I saw that. I knew exactly the angle I wanted to take on it. You have them jumping right to censorship. We're, we're, blame, we're blaming fucking drill rap, which he had no idea existed, but that must be it. And he said, we're going to pull in the social media companies because we got rid of Trump. Um, my, my advice as a writer is to just do it. I, that, I know that that's cliche. I know that that's, I'm not trying to be like Nike. Um, no. it, it's <laughs> just, right. even, even if you don't think you can use a, like, let's say you have a Substack and you see something my first thing is don't worry about what anyone else has written on it. Um, I get that too. There's times when um, someone will have a take that is pretty much the same as mine. And then I'm just like, fuck, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to write this, but I also write for spectator. I, I don't have my own sub stack yet or anything like that. So my first advice, don't worry about what anyone else is writing. Just, just write what you want to write. Two is just do it. Just, just pour, just get it out onto a page or just get it out onto a screen and then decide if you think you can use it. Then decide if you think it's something that you you can publish, or whatever. So that would be those would be my two words of advice. My biggest problem is is I'm not great at long form. I'm not great at like book <laughs> exactly. writing, but people so people think like because I can fire off a tweet or fire off twenty five tweets a day, that you know I had I had one I had one publishing house approach me about doing like a comedy style book. And because they're like, oh, you're funny or whatever, or, you know, they, they read something I wrote and it's like, yeah, you're, you're missing kind of that spark that you have on Twitter and like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I'm like a Chris Knight smart ass. Like I'm really good with a quip, <laughs> but then right. if you're at, I, and I've had that before where people are like, can you expand on this tweet? And I'm like, well, you want like 600 words on like, you know, <laughs> Hillary Clinton's exoskeleton. I, I, I don't know like what, yeah. what you, you know, but that's a lot of the times of what they do. Um, I mean, that's that's my only advice. Don't worry about what anyone else is writing. Just write what you want to write about. And two, um, just just keep doing it. And I think you'll get better at it. And then you'll decide then kind of what you want to go into. Um, I, I don't really have like a lane. So you see, I'll be, I'll do a book re- or I'll do a, a book review. And then I'll write about China and, and uh, corporate bowing to China. And then I'll talk about the fact that Joe Biden can barely make it up a flight of stairs. And so that's, that's just, that's what I would tell you. Um, I know that, I don't know how much that helps and I'm not, you know, Tony Robbins here. I'm not Mr. Banana hands, but that's, that's really all there is to it. Just, just write as much as you can get in the habit of doing it. And then as soon as you humanly possibly can try to figure out how you can. Yeah. I think that helps a lot too. Cause I recently just did one on sort of 
debunking the myth that I see on Twitter that like Neil Young came back to Spotify. Yeah, that was a Fox News hit where Fox News wrote that Neil Young came back to Spotify and then they had to correct it because he didn't actually come back. They, they just they couldn't Spotify. Neil Young doesn't have copyright over compilations or uh, partnerships or soundtracks or anything like that. So that was that was a bad. Yeah, that was the same thing I saw for like uh, Joni Mitchell because like even though like she has like like no singles or like you know movie soundtracks tied to like there is some songs that she has like tied with like you know small like niche you know compilation albums. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm just I hope all the boomers remove their music off Spotify personally. There's a piece for you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. Some of my music is like was either written by silent gens, boomers, or Gen Xers, so I'm kind of torn by that one. No, Gen X music stays on Spotify. Everyone else can, like, leave. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much circa 91 to 97 can stay. I'll even take, oh. like, the stupid boy bands. That, that means well, anything prior to anything, new metal. Anything prior, I'll, and I'm willing to give up. I'm willing to give up New Order and some Joy Division stuff. But anything, anything prior, anything prior to 1991 needs to get off Spotify. <laughs> All right, you're welcome. Fish facts. Hey, Stephen. I don't really have a ton to add today. I just want to say, um, you know, I've been listening to your stuff since Conservatarians in like 2016. And uh, really appreciate what you do. Uh, usually when I have a take, I send it to you on Patreon. And uh, I'll stick to doing that. But this is cool. I usually work late, so I can't make these call-ins. But uh, we got a, off a little early for the holiday weekend. And again, just uh, thanks a lot. Keep doing what you Is it a holiday? What holiday is it? President's Day. Oh, gee. I guess I'm unpatriotic for not knowing that one, I guess. That's great. Thanks, Fish Facts. Fish Facts has a. Uh, it's funny. He's one of the. He's one of my first subbers who. Uh, I I always talk about the fact I don't have sponsors for my podcast, which I like, um, and that I get. I do have a couple subbers where it's, their name is like something that could be a sponsor. So it's like Fish Facts TV on YouTube, and I always thought that that's funny. So it's I always like to see, I always like to hear a voice uh, put to that. But that was yeah, Fish Facts TV on YouTube. Check them out. Thank you. Pierce, I'm going to need you to talk because I, I want to push Siraj off as long as possible. Hey, Pierce, uh, you're unmuted, but I don't have sound. Sorry again. No, you're unmuted. I just don't. I don't hear anything. I don't know if anyone else can, but I don't see you talking. Inshallah, we have uh, one of the Habibi brothers, Siraj Hashmi. Okay. 
Am I going to have to kick Siraj off? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hey, where is the airplane you're, you're currently flying? Actually, actually, it's all land today. Uh, there's a, a crowd gathering downtown, and I figured I'd pay them a visit. That's good. If was you know was it a mostly peaceful hijacking, at least? No box. Coverage. It was, uh, well, yes. That, do, that doesn't, I'm not confident in that answer. You'll, you'll find it on the news. And then it'll be wiped away once they find out I'm Muslim. Oh, that's great. So. Yeah. Steven, I have a question for you. Okay. If we wanted to donate to foreign causes and that information got hacked and then leaked and it found that, say, a certain someone donated to Hamas, I'm not naming names, is which, that which, then which, which, AP, which AP journalist are... <laughs> We are talking specifically about all of them. Yeah, I made the, I said I said that about if Black Lives Matters donors list got hacked and revealed, there were going to have to be a lot of journalists explaining, and it wouldn't be because they were looking at who was donating; it would be because they were on the. So what you're saying is that journals need to go to Gitmo to protect our national security. Uh, if, if that were to happen, uh, I would not. I would not object vocally or put my body in any possible way of harm to stop. So my next question for you is: When did Canada become a Muslim country? Because honestly, why are we calling it Canada Stan? And I haven't even been there to establish the caliphate. The caliphate has already been established for you by the warlord Trudeau. I know. I know that you guys have these different factions. You have Shiite, and you have uh, all, all these different. So, so don't pull. So don't pull this rank shit with me. Like you guys are all you, a united religion of, of clans here. Okay. The goal should be to break Canada up into three parts, just like Joe Biden wanted to do with Iraq. So we can have you can have Toronto stand, Quebecistan, and and I don't know. Uh, Vancouveria or something. So you can decide which of those you want. And I don't buy for a second that you're going to start a caliphate in Canada because of how fucking cold it is. I know what you like. What are you going to, are you going to like ride tauntauns like camels up there? I mean, if uh, I'm going to establish a caliphate anywhere, it's going to be in Florida. Uh, you're you're going to have to contend with Generalissimo DeSantis and his southern army. Um, which is which is not someone that I'm that I'm willing to uh, cross. Just wait till he runs for president, and then Florida becomes a vacuum in which the rise of psoriasis comes through. You, are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna try a amphibious takeover, or do you have to figure out how to inflate rubber camels for that? Oh, we're we're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. I mean, Jay and I, I'm still trying to get him out to California. I'm sorry, well, get him out of California to Florida. 
and then we can actually establish a uh, a sell, if you will. Well, if you if you want to get Jay out of California, the easiest thing is for Gavin Newsom's uh, government to fall and let the Taliban take it over. And then Jay can just grab onto the wheel well of a departing airplane and, <laughs> and just. Uh, well, if, if that plane has a juicy enough ass, I can tell you he won't. Um, I, well, as long as they, maybe they can put, maybe the Biden administration can put handlebars on the wheel wells of these planes and see if he can hold on to it. Yeah. This time. I mean, I could you also know, prevent see any him, more bodies from falling, I mean, but that's the, the best way to get him. That's the best way for him to get out of California. That's true too, or, but I can or, also see Jay being smuggled out of luggage given the fact that he's four foot nine. You can just store him in the compartment. Yeah, or, like in a, or, like in a pet if carrier. You, if you can get him to shave, he could probably pass as a little child, and he might not even have to wear a mask on the plane. Damn, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make that happen. Anyway, Stephen, just put I'll him let in you a go. Get, rest, get to the rest of the callers, and uh, just want to let you know, we will convert you one way or another. Inshallah. This this call in is dedicated to the brave truckers. <laughs> of Kanadistan. Uh, Alright, Steve, I'll talk to you later, baby. Peace it. We're stopping Patrick. How are Good, Stephen. How are you? I think the easiest way to get Jay out of California would be a ballot measure to ban the eating of ass, but I'll leave that to the Habibi brothers to figure out. Um, you touched on this a bit earlier, but the media going after the trucker donors feels like a dry run of what would happen if the uh, the whole voting rights package passed with the unmasking of 501c3 donors. And this would just be a perpetual storyline of this group of donors to this group getting gone after for, you know, donating to an immigration security group or whatever cause the media decides to attack that week on the right. And then just the other kind of tangentially media-related topic to this, I do find it very interesting that one of uh, Trudeau's top deputies is Christia Freeland, who used to be a journalist, and now she is just a plain old liberal fascist, as our friend she, Jill would call it. She, yeah, she was a, uh, a writer for the Washington Post. Um, I don't know a ton of her stuff, but I do know that. Yeah, it's all interesting. Once they kind of move on from journalism, they all kind of seem to go one direction. You had Nick Kristoff resign from the New York Times to go run for the governor of Oregon. That's not happening, thank God. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you always see this happen. I think you just had, uh, who was it? It's either Ruth Marcus or someone from the Washington Post who was supposed to be a straight news columnist who's now an opinion writer, and she's straight down the line, uh, far left on that. Um, I, I don't know if I agree that it's like a dry run. They've already been doing this. You, there's, yeah. there's reporters for Axios and uh, other outlets who they they try to get the lists of people who attended Silicon Valley. Um, if you guys remember, I think it was the CEO of Oracle held a fundraiser for Trump, and he got that donor. He got that list of everyone who attended there. And you know, I don't I don't have a ton of sympathy for millionaires or whatever and stuff like that who are people in the news. So if you donate, um, and you know you're a Silicon Valley guy who owns a company or whatever like that, eh, I kind of think that who you donate. Uh, you should still be kept private, but you know what? If you're if you're seen at a fundraiser, 
then yeah, I kind of think you're fair game. I do not think that someone who donates $40 to a political cause, whatever that cause is, uh, is something that is newsworthy. And if you have to ask yourself, again, why Eon Omar gets it, and you know a woman who's a baker with a private business who she had to close her business for a day because she was getting threats, um, you have to ask why those people believe that's newsworthy. And it's not so much a dry run, but it's you're going to see more of it as this comes on. And they don't really care about the hypocrisy, again, of some hacked information is okay if we agree with it and some isn't if we. Yeah, I think it just really illustrates why the Democrats would want to do it, because they know the media would, you know, go after it like a dog with a bone like they are here. Yeah, I I would agree with that. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Have a good weekend, buddy. Uh, we'll wrap things up with Chris and then Mateo. Uh, my traitorous Chris in Vancouver, BC, behind enemy lines in the failed state of Kanadistan. All right, we might have another audio problem. I think this, I mean, this has happened to a few people, so I will check with Colin. Um, I refuse to believe that this many of you don't get it. So I will. Uh, I don't have sound. I cannot see that gray thing hovering over your icon. Uh, I'll give you a couple more seconds. Maybe try mute. Okay. Uh, This is probably a glitch. Uh, If there's that many of you, then uh, I will check with Colin. So apologies, Chris. I'm going to go ahead and move on. Uh, Last caller. Uh, Mateo, how are you? Yeah, this is... That is a uh, that is a technical glitch. I've had it a couple times. Okay. Generally, if you quit out and you go back in, it's good. And also, it's a little wonky in that Suraj was working with audio, but the little ring wasn't lighting up. Okay. But this is brand new tech, and they're rolling it out to all the Androiders today. So, well, you, I, you, I was, uh, doing, I, actually, you I was doing it on purpose too, though. <laughs> I'm I'm not in the attack today. I'm in a good mood today, Steve. Oh, that's good. Mateo. I'm in a good mood. So am I. What's so I got mind? two things for you. You ready? You ready? Okay. Number one, I got Aubrey Cottle, false flag of the false flag. Is Aubrey Cottle not necessarily a straight-up IC plant, but is he a plant by somebody else that wants to make Antifa nutbags look extra nutbaggy? I think he might be, all right? That's my thought for Aubrey Cottle, which is a hot thing for the day. And the other thing I got for you is, uh, so the two uh, leaders of, Putin's kind of pretend kingdoms, uh, DNR and LNR and Donetsk and Luhansk, both had pre-recorded announcements today. And those were all pretty predictable. It was pretty much the exact false flag type thing that uh, Blinken and, you know, our hardworking spooks and their friends at the Atlantic Council told us what happened. Um, They're pretty much, you know, doing that script. They possibly just blew up a gas thing in Luhansk and, you know, they'll say it was the Ukrainians and because the average Russian – is as dumb as the average Fox News viewer. You know, they'll buy the propaganda from Margaret Simonian, just as most people on this app buy it from Greenwald. Anyhow, I'm not going to necessarily go into that. Or like, you know, you can if you want. Here's the interesting thing. 
in the video text of both these guys was the phrase Operation Mongoose or Mongoose Throw, Mongoose Toss. There's speculation this is a reference to the 1961 CIA operation against Cuba. So what's what's going on there? What's your theory? Is he making fun of the CIA with that? Or is he threatening to say we're going to harass Ukraine like you guys did with Cuba in 1961? Or is it a reference to the nuclear brinksmanship where the uh, ridiculous, moronic Kennedy brothers almost blew up the universe? What do you think? Uh, he's probably just fucking with people. Uh, the thing you're, you're, you're referencing, I saw Michael Weiss tweet about uh, both, I'm reading a tweet, both the NRL and our leaders filmed their evacuation videos on February 16th. As Telegram metadata shows, then Prashulin even says today on February 18th. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's shenanigans there, which is again, I don't, I don't really believe anything that comes out of Russia or Ukraine. I'm not really interested in that part of the world or their operations as far as propaganda goes. Like I said, I, I'm pretty skeptical of, of all of it. That includes even videos coming out of the, uh, the, the trucker convoy in Kanadasan. Uh, Aubrey Cottle, for those of you who don't know, is the hacker who acquired the gifts and go donor list and which media is working off of. And if I understand it correct, you're, you're asking, is this a, is, is he a false flag? Like, is he, I think it's obvious he working is. App? I'm saying it's obvious okay. he has help. I'm, I'm just wondering if the help is from the obvious, uh, you know, the current kind of paranoid, uh, you know, right wing take is that the IC spoon feeds all these things and that it's all one big operation mockingbird going back to the grams. And this is more of that. What I'm saying is it may not be just that. Someone is maybe exceptionally interested in creating a kind of Antifa cartoon character to be a lightning rod of hatred. And it may be a little bit of kind of, I don't know, not necessarily just uh, definitely not a Biden type in the IC would set that up, right? So your theory is, is that the, the IC is using Aubrey Cottle as a false flag to, to, to what? Obtain the data? No, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, okay, I'm saying that's actually the assumption that like the Jack Posobiec, Darren, Beatty kind of like uh, microwave Dmitry Peskov material is going to say. I'm saying it may not be the USIC, you know, it may be, it may be somebody with an agenda that's not that, that wants to create this kind of character for some reason. Um, Just by- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to help you there. I saw Aubrey Cottle's videos where, in his tweets where he claims credit for it and releases it. He, the thing with Aubrey Cottle is he has an interesting background. He's been around a ton. He was supposedly a co-founder of Anonymous, um, software engineer guy. Um, I don't know in-depth background of him per se, but I, I mean, to suggest if if you're going to suggest that, you know, he, there's an IC stuff going on here, I kind of think you would need more than just speculation to back it up. So if you have that, well, oh, what about, I, I keep I'm going to do the church I'm commission, Stephen. <laughs> I'm going to do the church commission on my, on my account. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'm just saying like beyond speculation, what, what would give you the impression of, of that theory? Well, all, all I'm doing is all I'm doing is saying that if you look at motive in terms of why does somebody want to want to exploit the image of uh, Cottle just being such a such an over the top whack job, especially when you look at his background, there's a lot of weird crossover. Um, Barrett Brown, who's some somewhat crankish uh, critic of Greenwald, but also not exactly a, a vanilla lefty, suspects uh, a Peter Thiel angle in the whole thing much as many suspect a Peter Thiel angle behind the platform we're enjoying right now on this wonderful product. Uh, so it's just interesting in terms of what, in this new generation 
because you know I I personally obviously I'm a I'm a notorious liberal type uh, in terms of my questions and framings, uh, but I think it was really unethical the way that that list was used, and I think that is an additional layer in terms of what makes his motives suspicious. He's not a generic liberal doing this kind of thing just because I, I think in part because that is beyond the ethics of what most folks on that team have. You talk about the ethics of hacking the donor list and passing it to media outlets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, and that, this, the privacy aspect, the privacy aspect is definitely, uh, is definitely questionable. In my, in my, so let, let me ask you. So when you see, so this happened in Southern California, it happens also on the West Coast. So you see the Proud Boys coming out, right? And they're, they're protesting masks or they're protesting vaccine mandates or whatever like that. Well, you're talking and about, okay, wait, 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 back up. The and Proud then, Boys, no, hold on, hold the on, Proud Boys are a Roger on, Stone project and the Gavin McInnes project, right? Let me finish. Gavin McInnes, yeah, Roger finish. Stone, Proud Boys. Right. Go ahead. So what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is, so they go out and they protest vaccine mandates. So they go out and they protest no masks, right? And every week then, like we saw in Portland, the Antifa people go and counter protest them just because they're all fucking LARPers who are bored. And apparently the music scene in Portland now sucks so bad that these guys spend their time throwing rocks at each other. I don't know. That, that's a fair, so, that's a fair observation. So is Antifa, so do you, are you, are, if you, to, to claim that it's, you know, a false flag or whatever, are, are you also say suggesting that Antifa in those situations is pro They're They're just simply against the proud boys. So they're actually on the side of Gavin Newsom and the Oregon governor for imposing mandates as far as vaccines and masks go. You see what I'm you getting at? You know what? At? That's an excellent. That's an excellent. That's an excellent question, and it ties in directly with you know the way that the the way the kind of counter rhetoric of why our truckers so bad yet BLM burning you know a Portland federal building was not bad. There's a lot of what about us framing for kind of the dumber part of the conservative audience. That we've had I, would say the, I would say the I would say the what aboutism is pretty justified. It's well, it's it's certainly automatic. <laughs> I don't know if it's justified. It's a little bit. I would silly. say it's I mean, hundred percent. I would say it's hundred percent justified. You brought up the Portland. I mean, you, I brought up, which... you brought up the Portland Federal Building. That's interesting because a guy who's running for governor or tried, thank God he's not. Kristoff wrote an article for the New York Times titled "Help Me Find Trump's Anarchist in Portland." Right, right, right. And we found them. They were they were literally trying to set the fucking federal building on fire every night going in Antifa there. And then you had the mayor. Soldiers, right, you, Stephen? You had... Antifa super soldiers, 240 pounds of muscle in training in their garage every night. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, – to, to me, it's good that you bring up the Proud Boys and you bring up Portland because, you know, we have, uh, we have this ridiculous character, Joe Kent, running across the river from Portland now, uh, who I guess was some kind of like – mentally traumatized homeless vet that they kind of cleaned up and made into a candidate. Uh, and he has like a buddy in town, Joey Gibson, who runs with the Proud Boys. If you really know the details of these characters, Joey Gibson is a kid that had some football talent and then a Coke habit and like robbed a liquor store or something. That's what all these people are. They're basically broken personalities that are assembled and put on stage by people like Roger Stone and Gavin McInnes to be weaponized as these kind of theatrical cudgels. You get them from Expo Talent. That's what Lauren Boebert was, right? Lauren Boebert was an Expo Talent, you know, element. You get them pretty much like off the rack from like acting agencies or just a, a low point in life. And, uh, you know, they end up on like the stage set. And that there, there may be like a little bit of a analog on the Antifa side too. If you look at the biographies of the people that are kind of drawn into violence in downtown Portland, you know, whether or not that's justified against a cartoonish fascist threat. 
you know, they're kind of losers um, that have a, you know, have a vacuum in their life. And that's mostly what you're seeing with that stuff. I mean, the thing, the thing to, re- to keep in mind, though, Stephen, is, is the politics are very real in terms of theater. And what the left collectively did in July is it realized that Bill Barr was trying to bait the public, trying to bait the left, trying to bait liberal protesters into some kind of violent theater that he could then exploit. And that was really the game plan with January 6th. Guys like Rhodes are not very smart. Uh, guys like Ali Alexander are not really intellectuals. And they really thought some Antifa you know, militants would show up and activate the whole thing. And then, of course, Chris Miller and Cash Patel would have their excuse to genuinely do their fascist fantasy. It was a fantasy and not a very intelligent one. But that was the game plan. But the left didn't play along. They stopped rioting in July in August. And uh, obviously, they never showed up on January 6th. Uh, Okay. Uh, I was talking about the Proud Boys in Portland in reference to Antifa protesting on behalf of vaccine mandates and mask mandates. The reason I brought that up is... Okay. Well, you talk about people. You talk about people like Aubrey Cottle, for instance, who uh, you, you think he's, you know, he's an inside job here to paint uh, people on the left. I'm just speculating to, that. To I don't know that for sure. Right. Okay. Speculation. That I mean, I don't. I don't really deal in speculation. <laughs> I can deal mean? in hypotheticals. That's the most entertaining can... thing about your job. Come on, it's fun. <laughs> I just I'm. I'm fine. I'm fine listening to the theory. If you can give me something other than speculation. Um, the speculation on, is the heart of the and, story, and the though. Reason, the, the reason I'm the reason I'm bringing this up with like Antifa and stuff like that is that you could argue that there's a block of Antifa who lines up with Anonymous and who lines up with Occupy. These are just kind of spinoffs of each other since 2011. And so when you realize that most of these guys are just shock troopers for Democrats and they don't really care about any grounding principle, then I I, I don't think that that speculation holds water. So I think I don't you're know. looking for something you're looking for something that's not there. Do you think Antifa wants Diane Feinstein to run for Senate again? Do you really think there's a cohesive organization there? I don't care what Antifa wants, if I'm being honest with you. Well, I mean, something that does not exist cannot really have wants or desires. Uh, yeah. Or uh, yeah. We're, we're back to Antifa doesn't exist. That's, that's much like Andy Goh's accent. What is Andy Goh's accent? Is it British? Okay, so apparently we're dealing with. Oh yeah, I did cut him off. By the way, Antifa doesn't exist. It's just the funniest thing in the world to me. No, it doesn't exist. It's it's super hard for me to take you seriously when you say that Abricado is a speculation with no evidence of a false flag, and then also Antifa doesn't exist. <laughs> stuff uh chris i'm not getting you man um i'm gonna i'm just gonna have to hold you off give me either on the podcast what you want to say or uh, i'll bump you up to the front uh probably next week so that's it um uh, thanks everyone for coming in uh, i don't think we solved uh, the failed state of Canada with this one. Um, nor did I think we solved the imaginary Antifa thesis uh, that goes along with the imaginary anonymous hacker thesis as well. Uh, but thanks a lot. Um, uh, this was good. A lot of good comments, a lot of good uh, questions, comments, whatever. Um, I will be, this episode will go up. I'll publish it. So you can go back, you can listen to it. Um, 
at will. If you want, pass it to your friends, let everybody know, whatever like that. I will be back on Versus Media most likely Tuesday. And uh, if you're not subscribed there, you can you can find me there on Patreon, which is also linked to my Twitter account. So um, I guess in the time that we were doing this, I, I guess Putin's invaded Ukraine. So that's fun. Uh, Joe Biden lost two countries in seven months. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.